0: Welcome to Episode 8 of Blazers and Flag Pens. Great to have you all joining us again today, and I have a wonderful guest with me, Kevin Nelson. He is running here in Missouri in the State House, and I will give it over to Kevin let him tell you a little more about himself.
1: Thank you, Hallie. I appreciate uh, what you're doing with this podcast. First of all, I think it's a very good work, so thank you. Um, my name is Kevin Nelson, and I'm running for House District Seat 60, which basically encompasses Jefferson City and I'm running as a second-time candidate. Mm -hmm. I did run in 2016, uh, but what makes this year so different is it's an open seat. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, we have a lot of momentum going for us at this time, and I'm very excited to be a candidate right now.
0: Awesome, well thanks so much for joining us, and I'm curious to talk a little bit more about the first time you ran. Uh, We talked to one other second-time candidate, Michaela, earlier this season. Um, to compare yes. and contrast some of your experiences. I know they'll be a bit different since hers mm-hmm. was a special election. Yes. But first, let's dig in a little bit to your bio. Uh, tell us a little about your history, your experiences, and why why you decided to become a candidate.
1: Sure. Um, well, I grew up in Southeast Missouri. I was raised a lot with my grandparents. My mom and dad divorced early on, and I was raised with my grandparents most of the time. Um, for a lot of that time, I got to watch the CBS Evening News with my grandfather. So <laughs> uh, I watched a lot of uh, news growing up and so forth, uh, but grew up in southeast Missouri in, in a good time in in the 70s. I went into the Army in the 80s, right after high school, and knew that I wanted to do some time in the the armed forces. So I chose the army, went into the army, and now I'm an army veteran. Uh, I was uh, in communications during that time. And when I finished uh, with the army, got finished and and, uh, discharged from the army, I went into nursing. And I've been doing nursing for the past 22 years, uh, which encompasses a, a large, well, I say a large part of my life, it really, becomes a, a big part of your life whenever you go into nursing. There's so much involved with it. But uh, as a nurse and being in the Army and so forth, I got a a, a lot about service mm-hmm. out of it and service to others. And I think that was one of the big pushes that led me to, to go ahead and, and become a political candidate was the service issue. Um, I feel like nursing and the Army are all about service. Service to country and Absolutely. service to other people. And that really helped me over that hump of, well, should I run? Yes, I, I, there, I didn't see any downside to it as far as, um, as far as negative aspects. I thought this was a, a way to, uh, to be able to help with important, what I consider to be important issues.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's wonderful to hear because when you said nursing, the first thing I thought was, people go into nursing to serve the public to make people's lives better, and
1: right, those right. are the
0: skills you need to be a great candidate and a well, great elected official.
1: And and I've always said it that uh, the the reason that I went into nursing is the same reason that I did go into politics. It's it's about helping people, Absolutely. and that should be the ultimate goal for both, for both of those. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm tears in my eyes right now. This is a <laughs> beautiful story here. And Thank you. I'm, I'm curious a little, you know, what, what was your area of specialty within nursing? And what was that experience like for you? Because we often talk as politicians and yes. candidates about, you know, the troubles that we have in our healthcare system. And we talk from the outside. But you've been on the inside for yes. a lot of years.
1: My very first... Um, My very first job in nursing Mm -hmm. was actually as a certified nursing assistant, a CNA, and and I worked in in, uh, um, an elderly home, an assisted living home, Mm -hmm. and that opened my eyes so much. I, I already knew that I had a special attachment, a special place in my heart for elderly people because I grew up with my grandparents, but during the time that you actually work with people at Uh, at that stage of their life it really makes you think I mean this is eventually where I mean we all hope to grow old gracefully (laughs) but we all hope to get there someday and I was able to to work with some very special people but you really do uh, get an attachment to to people like like that in those situations Uh, but that was my first experience and then I went to school And became a nurse and one of my first jobs out of nursing school was I went in and became a a surgical technologist.
0: And and was that here in Jeff City?
1: No that was actually I I actually uh, went to school in Harrison Arkansas um, and went to uh, work for a hospital right there in Harrison and I worked in surgery there for about five years and really learned a lot it was an amazing Amazing thing! Uh, it, it had always interested me, so I did that, and and then after that, I get into occupational health, and what I did there was uh, I worked in a plant, um, the evening shift, so it was a rough shift, but it taught me a lot of things. There's a lot of times when uh, you can you can put. Some things off. I'm making a decision on, uh, but when you're the plant nurse at a big facility at night, uh, you have to to know what you're going to do the moment the occasion arises, and and that was a really um, a good learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. So I've always thought you know good training, very important, and uh, and it just helps you to be able to uh, to know your response right at that time. Um, then uh, after occupational health nursing uh, i did i came to jefferson city which was about 12 years ago and got back into surgical nursing again and i worked uh, as a surgical technologist here uh, at a local hospital and that is where i met rose my wife and uh, i was doing a lot of um, a lot of spine surgery and orthopedic surgery and rose was just training to be a certified Uh, surgical technologist and that's where we met and well as they say the rest is history there but uh, a lot of occupational health nursing and surgical nursing is my background
0: wonderful well you have a very interesting background and I'm sure those skills especially those decision-making skills you were talking about with regard to uh, like on the spot Having to know the right thing to do and being able to be that go-to person—I'm sure that comes in handy on the campaign trail—and
1: oh, it would does. Be Great as it an elected does. official. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, it's being able to to critically think and think on your feet. I think, and it served me well in both ways—in nursing and certainly as I go out and meet the public as a candidate. I'm uh, glad to be able to to answer a question when asked. Um, but it's not all the time and unlike nursing you know sometimes you get to say i'll get back to you with an answer Um, but it is nice to be able to uh, to answer questions as they come up and so it's been helpful
0: yeah, absolutely. Thinking on your feet is really important on a campaign trail. I'm
1: sure you know that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. And I get stumped every once in a while. But those are the best questions, you know, when they can stump you. It's,
1: they usually are, yes.
0: We need to find an answer. Yeah. We need to look up that evidence. As a fellow scientist, I'm sure you can appreciate looking up the, the past on some of these issues. Yes. Uh,
1: it, it not only... Uh, You know, enriches my understanding of the answer from actually going back and doing the work and looking it up Uh, but I do like the follow up as well Mm -hmm. because that gives me uh, what might have been a question from a crowd a chance to to follow up one on one with someone. Absolutely,
0: yeah and it's nice to be able to do that as a candidate to show someone to ask you a good question that you really care and to come back and say hey I have an answer to that great question you asked or send them a note in the mail. Yes. Yeah, those are great opportunities that we have. Um so I wanna transition a little bit. Um I think you transitioned us pretty naturally into this and I wanna talk a little about your first election in two thousand sixteen. And I know yes. that was that was a tough year here in Missouri for a lot of people. I It was I cried a lot that night because I had tough. worked on campaigns that hadn't <laughs> gone the way we wanted. So I wanna hear about, you know, your experience that year on
1: the, on the campaign sure. trail, and then sure. I'll, what I'll try it taught that. you. I'll try to share a little bit about the campaign experience right then and right up to that that night in November of 2016. Uh, I got started a little late. I knew that I wanted to run that year, and I filed all my paperwork, and I was a candidate. Um, what, what I was doing, though, was I was full-time employee, uh, candidate, and, and husband, and so um, it was difficult uh, fleshing all of those out, making sure that I had appropriate time for all of those, and it was basically after you do a full day's work, then you get to, to go and, and, and work another six hours, <laughs> so I uh, would finish work, and I loved knocking on doors, so we had a, a nice group Uh, of people and we would meet up we go knock on doors uh, after I finished work and until it got dark and so uh, it was something that it was a little bit of a time constraint and and I didn't really get uh, able to really go knocking on doors I did not have a primary that year so I didn't really go knocking on doors until August because I wanted to make sure the people that I was talking to first of all uh, were going to hopefully, remember me in November. (laughs) So uh, it was a a bit of a time constraint. I got started a little bit late, which is completely the opposite of this campaign. I am now uh, working as a small business owner from home, and so I have a lot more latitude on on when I'm getting out and and the places I'm able to go at certain times throughout the day. But getting back to that evening in, in 2016, I... I had lost my race to the incumbent, which was Mm -hmm. a a hard race, Um, but I was watching uh, our Democratic um, hopeful for president Mm -hmm. just as the news came on. My race faded rather quickly, but knowing what we were going to have to (laughs) live through and so forth for the upcoming uh, future really started to sink in. So my race started to... uh, to disappear quickly and I started grasping uh, hold of, of the outcome of the night on a, on a national level mm-hmm. yes
0: and you know we've all spent some time being frustrated mm-hmm. by 2016 and put in so much effort <clears throat> only to see things not go the way we'd hoped so yes. what really made you decide to run again. And I know you're in a unique situation. Um, there's no incumbent in this seat now.
1: That's true. That's true. Uh, but what but else
0: What else motivated you?
1: I think the fact that the work I set out to do, I wasn't able to accomplish yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that carried me through. I still feel the same way I felt in 2016 about what's going on locally. Mm-hmm. And that uh, really was the deciding factor. Uh, Missouri wages, we just shared a few moments ago, are the lowest uh, for state workers out of all 50 states, and that hasn't gotten any better. And so to me, I saw that uh, the average citizen right here in Jefferson City just isn't getting represented because we are the seat of state government, and a majority of our uh, workers here in this district, District 60, our state workers and to uh, to just see that they are working for the lowest wages out of all 50 states was unacceptable and i shared with you just a moment ago about well if we're the lowest in the nation so where, where's the highest must be california or someplace on the west or east coast no it's iowa and we share similarities as far as our uh, agricultural engine being uh, uh, an economic force for us. So the reason that their wages are at the very top of the scale and ours as, as the lowest was just unacceptable mm-hmm. to me. So it shows me we can do better, but, uh, there was just so many things that I saw still left undone that I had to, had to continue on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. And it's interesting because it is really about priorities. You know, if there's no outside reason, it's how our legislature is prioritizing resources and making those decisions. And oh, that's right. you as a candidate and then being eventually elected can directly affect those. That's right. Yeah, it's pretty exciting.
1: And we have right now in Missouri and our state legislature, we have a supermajority mm-hmm. with the governor and then both the House and the Senate all being Republican held. Um, any Any lack of of governance has to go that direction, uh, just lack of leadership because they hold all all the power. Um, and a supermajority just isn't healthy for for any state. I mean, we need good ideas flowing both uh, from both sides. And so uh, a supermajority, I think, is really a hindrance to us right now because a lot of the representatives there feel like there are no uh, repercussions to what they're doing. They hold all the power, so that's uh, that's bad for Missouri at this point.
0: Absolutely, you know, feeling as an elected official that there aren't repercussions, no matter uh, what party you come from, no matter what region you're representing. Yeah, terrible. That's a problem.
1: That is a huge problem. Yes,
0: absolutely. I also like something that you said about it being about local issues, it being yes. about your district. Um, And I I really like that perspective and and thinking so much about, you know, the unique things about the area you're trying to represent. So what do you think, in addition to a majority of public employees um, in your district, what else is unique about this district?
1: I'll tell you one thing. It's easy these days to get carried away with national sensationalism with what all is going on. Can't
0: argue with that. (laughs)
1: But it is all about local Politics—it's about local people, mm-hmm. and it's about helping everyone here locally. Uh, I do know—I mentioned the state wages for Missouri state employees. Uh, I also feel like Missouri could also do more as far as wages for all Missourians. The—the the fact that they're trying to push through union-busting bills, uh, you know, the right-to-work legislation. Uh, that's that's something that is going to be bad, not just for unions. If something like that does grab hold, where uh, we're going to be able to vote on it either in August or November. So not
0: sure yet.
1: Not sure. <laughs> we'll yes. keep you updated. Yes, uh, but that would would be a travesty for us because we mm-hmm. see what happens when Right to Works takes over in states, um, the the health issues um, that come about because of the lack of. Uh, requirements safety standards things like that are all dropped uh, wages drop it's bad for 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 workers in general, not mm-hmm. just laborers who work in a union but laborers across the board uh, it's a bad bad thing for for middle income and and low wage families <clears throat> and also um, one of those other issues that you were talking about public education mm-hmm. I am a a proponent of strong public education. I grew up in Southeast Missouri, like I said, in a time that uh, I feel like education was fully funded, and I benefited greatly from a public education. And I want to make sure that all the children of this district have good, solid schools to attend uh, for, for a public education. I feel like that is one way that each child has a chance to rise. Uh, public education is, should be the gold standard, and to not fully fund public education um, is going to end up hurting us all in the long run. Um, we spoke earlier about the way they are funded. Uh, what happened is, so that they could say we're fully funding schools, they changed the funding formula around. But that doesn't that doesn't really cut it with me. We need to make sure our schools are getting the attention and the money that they need to thrive, and that our children can thrive.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think we can just stop there. That was no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely agreed. You know, and it's it's not just this district. It's all across the state those are huge issues it is. and you know jeff city is really interesting to me as someone who grew up just outside of jeff city oh. a lot of people in the california missouri area sure. end up commuting here for their jobs
1: yes um, to jeff true. city
0: every day uh, in fact a lot of people in my family do and so that was one of the things there is the these public jobs are so important not only for people yes. in this district but for the surrounding districts yes, that's to be true. able to come in here.
1: Yes, yeah. um, and, and that goes along with the uh, with our legislature trying to uh, hurt the public union, public unions as far as uh, the well, the paycheck protection is what they called that mm-hmm. to to try to get where um, public sector employees could not or, or didn't have to pay into their union and. You know, and, and that just goes right back to the whole thing about union busting. I think people have a really short memory. Uh we <laughs> we really do benefit from unions. Uh it came about that the uh the forty hour work week that we enjoy and the weekends that we enjoy, sick uh sick time, paid leave time, all those are benefits provided by the union. And that's something that I think people have almost forgotten or, or just have, have stopped thinking about. Mm-hmm. But without strong unions, um, I think it's, people could see a really, a really negative turn on, on wages and, and paid time off and, and, and health. I mean, it's all, it's all right there together. So
0: yeah.
1: for me, I believe in, in keeping unions strong.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I think we're being reminded again how important these institutions yes. are
1: because
0: mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it does take that you know it takes something happening or a change in the tide for us to really realize wow we were we were in a good place yes how do we get back <laughs> how do we get back to those unions those those that was a really beneficial thing for us
1: that's right that's <laughs> yes. right and and I think we're working on it with no with on prop A. I mm-hmm. um I think that's a an important important part of it getting the message out uh of what could happen, you know, if if we do become a, a right to work state, I mean, mm-hmm. if it's uh, does take hold and take over, um, it, it's not going to be good for Missouri. Not going to be good for workers.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm gonna transition a little bit to an area that I know will be interesting because you've worked in it in healthcare yeah. for so long, and I want to talk a little about you know what you're talking about on the campaign trail in healthcare and how your expertise. Um, in that helps you to talk about so many of the issues we're addressing right now in Missouri and nationwide as sure. well.
1: Sure, uh, I believe that uh, one, of, one of the bad things to come about was that we did not expand uh, Medicaid. Um, that has been something that I was really concerned with uh, on my last election. And the fact that um, health care continues uh, the cost of it to rise and rise year after year is something that is hurting Missourians, americans we're all we're all paying for that, so we have to come up with a better a better system for our health care um, there are it's not a great mystery there's other countries who have who have shown you know how we can provide better ways to uh, to to provide health care so it's not a great mystery. We just have to have the political will to get it done. The The fact that um, some elderly have to choose between food and medication, that's a real thing. And, and I think people hear it and it goes over their head sometimes, uh, but it's a sad reality for some because medications are expensive. And when you get elderly, when you get up in age, the more medications it seems that you have to take. Mm-hmm. And for someone to have to make that type of decision, it's unconscionable for me to to see that and think that, that well, that's okay. Mm-hmm. you Because know, it, it isn't okay. Um, so we need to be able to provide uh, affordable health care. That, and that's what people want. The, nobody says, oh, it has to be totally free, but I do want to be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. And just saying that somebody has um, access to health care, well unless the access is affordable, it doesn't do anybody any good. So we have to make sure that uh, healthcare is affordable. And uh, one way of doing that could have been to expand Medicaid. And literally, we got uh, a check sent to us from the federal government, and then we just tore that check up and said, no thanks. And so to me, that just wasn't good, uh, wasn't good thinking uh, on, on our part. So we can do better, and we have to do better for healthcare.
0: So, with that, uh, talking about making healthcare partisan and approaches to go beyond that, what are your strategies for talking about healthcare and using evidence and fact-based policymaking to start to do that? And are there specific areas within the issues in healthcare, you know, like the opioid crisis or other things that you're going to be trying to address piecemeal?
1: Yes, and and I think a lot of A lot of it is bringing these to the forefront of the conversation. We have to get a conversation going on so many things. You mentioned the opioid problem, and and I will talk just a short moment on that. Uh, It's not only a national crisis, it's a community crisis. Um, There is no place that it discriminates. It doesn't discriminate in any form or fashion. It is uh, a problem that is across the board. And I have spoken with other nurses uh, about the problem, and it's something that we need to get a handle on. And as long as it goes unchecked, the worse it's gonna get. Uh, we have to be able to come up with, um, with sensible solutions as mm-hmm. far as this goes. And there are, there are checks and balances out there that can help us uh, through prescription monitoring uh, to keep things such as doctor shopping, Things like that down and and hopefully to some point non-existent, but we have to be able to uh, to be able to start that and and initiate it I guess and, and get it going because we're we're trying but it's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's solutions like that that are going to help, and, and the costs are just devastating. Uh, it, it's one of those things. I don't like to see somebody evolve on situations. I've, I've said this before, but you don't want to evolve on the opioid crisis by by it having to do with a specific family member. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we we need to to get this problem in check. Uh, as far as an ultimate solution, I may not have one yet, but I'm always willing to listen mm-hmm. and uh, and. If there's a good idea out there, I am more than willing to to push for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the keys too with with the op- opioid epidemic in particular. Apparently, that's a tongue twister for me right now. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> You're talking circles around me over here. Uh, but I think one of the keys with that is being able to do research and collect that data. Collect, you know, what's happening in these communities. And figure oh, yes. out things that are working, things that aren't working, and how to move toward best practices for you know going forward and managing pain and working with patients.
1: Yes, and, and I've worked um, as a nurse with mm-hmm. uh, with pain um, as far as spine surgery and and back pain and things like that. A lot like of that. pain. Yeah. A lot of pain. A lot of pain involved in that, and that's how these things typically happen. Uh, you are introduced to a painkiller because of uh, surgical intervention, uh, and then you develop a tolerance, so you take a little bit more and so forth. And then uh, once the prescriptions stop, then you're left in pain a lot of times and looking for for other solutions, which lead to uh, sometimes just dark days.
0: So, with regard to figuring out these kind of solutions, one one of the really common things is we come up with ideas and we start to try to implement them. but a lot of times they're not based on you know facts that have been collected or data that's been collected um, or really representing everyone so one of the things I know we were talking about earlier is the importance of getting out there and engaging different people in the democratic process, as well as making sure that they're included when we're coming up with solutions. So what are some strategies um, in your current campaign um, that you're using or that you have used, you know, even in your previous campaign, to start to do that and, and talk to new voters?
1: Well, I think one of the strategies that I use is, is having a, a roundtable mm-hmm. on, a, on a personal level. Um, my campaign has a, a roundtable group. And we discuss things that are of importance and ways that we should um, proceed with being able to try to help with those issues. And I think this is something, an approach that we need as far as, <clears throat> as far as many crises. Uh, we could have open forums. Recently, we had a debate on gun violence prevention, and it's those types of things by getting the community you know, aware and involved that there is a problem and that we need to come together to get the solution Mm -hmm. Um, and and having people aware of, of the problem and then being able to offer forums to where we can all talk about it and come up with solutions.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So one of the biggest challenges with campaigns, and you're really addressing it here, is, you know, getting people to care about, what's happening to listen to engage and get involved in in the process along the way because in order for us to have these open forums and events we have to have people coming to that's opening right. the door and coming in so you know how, how do we do that and you know
1: that's right and, and that's why um, what I always try to do is is just think about why I'm running it's because of service and I want everyone to know that my campaign is about them, not about me. So you can come to your own event because what I want to do is I want to hear issues that are going on. I want to uh, share information that I have, but just as important, I want to hear what's going on in in everybody else's life. And and what are the issues they're facing? What do we need to work on uh, going forward? And so my campaign is about people. It always has been and it always will be and that, I think, helps people, you know, to come out because people want to be involved. Mm -hmm. I know people have busy lives, uh, but a lot of people want to be involved because they're impacted by all these decisions. What really goes on in state government is such a huge thing. It's such a huge thing. Um, You can't be passive anymore. I, I don't feel like this is the time to be passive. Uh, if you don't care about politics, the people who charge you money do. Corporations, they are really <laughs> heavily into politics. Uh, you know, you're, the people you pay your water bill to, mm-hmm. your cable bill to, they have representatives representing them as far as politics go. You should be no less involved.
0: All right. Well, that sounds like a call to action for all of our listeners. I'm sure you all are already very involved if you're <laughs> listening to my podcast. But I'm sure. Get yes. some of your friends involved. Get them out there talking to Kevin if they're in the district or talking to me or anyone else that's been on the podcast or not. That's also okay. Uh, I think that's a great way to wrap things up, and I really appreciate you being here with me today, Kevin.
1: Hallie, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Right. And thank you all for joining us. This podcast has been paid for by Hallie Thompson
1: for Congress.